Okay, good morning to each one. It's good to see each one here this morning. Greet you in Jesus' name. I um, maybe wasn't completely honest with Lester and Robert this morning. I, when they asked me how I was doing, I I haven't had a very good week this, this week, uh, especially toward the end of the week. And I don't want to go into a lot of detail because it's, you know, take away from my time up here and make it longer. But I've been struggling with high blood pressure uh, for a while now. And it's getting a little bit worse, just very gradually. And I'm getting two different, uh, two different uh, uh, two different schools of thought on, on on the problem. Well, my doctor doesn't think I need any medication, and the pharmacist at work keeps saying this is serious. You need to take care of this. You get a different doctor. And so, uh, without going into further detail, I just ask you to pray for me. Uh, I, I sometimes I struggle with with anxiety. I don't know how much of that is genetic, and how much of it is my own making, my own my own mistakes, my own sin. But whatever the case, I need to I need to figure something out, and I need some answers from God and from from others that that I can't come up with right at the moment because I don't know I don't know that much about what my number should be even. So pray for me, if you will. Sometimes I'm a little bit hard to deal with at home. I get a little bit frustrated and anxious and even angry sometimes. Uh, pray for me in that respect, too, if you will. This morning I wanted to speak on, this is a, that was an aside, I wanted to speak on, uh, I actually had another subject I was going to speak on, and then it didn't work out, but so I did this at the last minute. But I wanted to speak this morning about something I spoke about at Abundant, at, at Living Faith at one point, I believe it was, and that is uh, witnessing to the lost. I have a poem about witnessing, witnessing our, our redemption, our Jesus' love, our redemption to the lost around us. And I, but I had a little something I wanted to share first. This form I'm about to read is pretty dark and gut-wrenching. But I think it's, it's very true in too many cases. There are a lot of Christians in the Western Free World Church today that don't really seem to care about the heathen around them. It's easy for many American Christians to look down the nose and condemn sinners, but it seems very hard for some of the, for so many of them to get down to the trenches with the lost to show the love of Christ to them at their level. Today in America, it seems becoming increasingly considered inappropriate for Christians to share their faith. It's okay to share pornography and smut, in vulgar language over the airways, it's okay to teach innocent young children about sex education beyond their years. It's okay to, to persuade the innocent to have a, a sex change surgery that will forever alter their lives for the worse. But in many places, it's, it's considered hate speech or improper to warn the sinner of impending judgment. And bro Brother Robert has talked about some of his experiences with that. We, are, as true Christians, shouldn't be surprised. It simply means we are being successful in our mission and Satan is trying to shut us down. I'm going to read the poem that I wrote in just a second, a number of years ago. Before I should, I, before I should explain the reason I wrote it years ago, the poem is called The Heathen's Prayer of the Christian's Blasphemy, and it tries to share the real truth behind what makes both the Christian and the heathen, what both the Christian and the heathen are saying by their words. When the heathen mocks God or takes his name in vain or makes light of going to hell or makes some such outrageous statement, 
many times, not every time, but many times I believe they're often displaying deep down inside need and security and fear of judgment. They're often blushing to cover up their fear of death and judgment. So in a sense, you could say they are calling out for help oftentimes, not every time. Uh, what is a Christian saying when he's just quiet in the face of evil, when he refuses to witness, or when he becomes judgmental, and yet never tries to show the love of Jesus Christ? What the Christian is saying in this situation is that he doesn't care, or at least not enough to witness, of the same love that he was showing to him. Then what about Christians that worship the Almighty Dollar and never seem to have time to love on those hurting and spiritually deficient around them, telling our Redeemer that we don't have time or, or, or the inclination to do what it takes to rescue lost souls is really one of the worst kinds of blasphemy, I believe. It's, uh, it was Jesus' last command to his church was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. To disobey that command is saying, I don't believe the eternal soul's worth is important and that I don't care about what Jesus wants me to be doing. This should really be called blasphemy. I'm going to read the poem that I wrote years ago. I had to kind of, if, if you heard it before, I think you did, some of you, it probably sounds different now because I, I had to rewrite it mainly from memory because it wasn't in its whole format there. It, it's called The Heathen's Prayer and the, the Christian's Blasphemy. It's, it's pretty short. Adrift the gulf between, the, the Heathen's Prayer, adrift the gulf between me and hope widens, adrift upon life's azure wilderness sea, a feeling of impending doom enlightens. What will my awful final verdict be? Adrift and lost upon life's wide ocean, where night time turns again to scorching day, adrift and left without a single notion how I will ever get away. Adrift and mad with thirst and desperation, as time immortal marches slowly by, a thirst I try to drink my perspiration, adrift I barely wish that I could die. Adrift the tomb and death itself beckons, eternal sleep is but a cruel mirage. Adrift without a compass point to reckon, no balm of Gilead to, to my grief aside. And again, most, most heathen will not say those words to you. And most Christians will not say what, what the rest of the poem says. But this is, is oftentimes the true meaning behind the reason that, that the heathen do the things they do. They're, they're, they're striking out and they're trying desperately to get in control. They're, they're blustering. They're, um, they're arrogant in many cases, but they're also hurting. The Christian's blasphemy is the rest of the poem. The di their dying souls watch the shoreline all around me as I speed along on this luxurious rescue boat. They're drowning, but their cries do not confound me. They would not die, they barely can float. Life is a party and I care not for the heathen. I'll labor long for a fancy home and luxury car instead. It matters not if he lives and dies without a reason or with the word of God he's never fed. I'll spend my time and efforts elsewhere, thank you very much. I'll strive for a life that's bright and fair. The heathen's plight does not bother me at all. It matters not if he self-destructs or falls into despair. Someday my judge will turn to me with eyes like fire. Until then I'll play by my own rules, my own game. Someday my Lord will say you did it unto me. Until then I'll let the heathen go to an, to an eternity of endless pain. And most no, no Christian will ever say those words to you, but this, this is the meaning behind the reason that Christians are selfish. They don't care about the dying. They don't care about the heathen that they would do something. 
it's not enough to use the excuse, well, I'm not, I'm not made to share. I, I don't know the words to share. Moses kind of used that excuse, but the real reason, the real reason we don't do something about the heathen is because we don't care about them. Now, I appreciate this church here. I think the, the, the church here does care about the heathen. I'm not trying to say otherwise, but, um, but it's something I can work on definitely, even at work. And I try to do it some, but I tend to make excuses for myself sometimes. I'm going to read the, this, the scriptures yet that correspond with this topic. And then, if there's time, I might open it up to you for just a few minutes, if, if there's time, and see what, what your thoughts are about witnessing. We won't have much time, but if any. I'm going to read some scriptures that correspond to this topic without making many comments on them. Romans 10, 13-15, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Matthew 25, 41-45, then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, cursed into everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they say unto him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, as much as you did not sleep one at least of these, he did it not to me. We know we are not saved by works. We're not saved by, by what we, the good things we do. But absence of good works and caring about others with, with a sacrificial love shows that our hearts and, and are, are sick and carnal and do not care about others when we've been given the greatest gift of all. Matthew 25, 26-30. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Therefore take therefore the talent from him that can give it unto him which has ten talents. For then every one that has shall be given. For unto every one that has shall be given, and he, he that sh and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant out of darkness. There shall be weeping, weeping and gnashing of teeth. This scripture doesn't directly address witnessing, but it does in a backward sort of way. Uh, our business, our first command from Jesus, as I mentioned before, is go into all the world. And that's our job as Christians, our, our primary job description. And so this, this man in this parable was hiding his talents. I think you, you make the connection there. 1 Corinthians 4, 3, But if our gospel would be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Ezekiel 7, 3, 17 to 19. I believe this is my last one. Or almost. Son, I have made thee a watchman over to the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth and give thee them warning for me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same man, wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. This scripture is Old Testament, but we see, you see even here the principle of witnessing to the heathen 
as well as its utmost importance in the believer's life. We see God cares about the heathen and the story of the prophet Jonah, for example. Where God told like the prophet this, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the Lord. This is in Jonah chapter 4. Thou hast had pity on the Lord, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And shall I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that can't discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? That was uh, God's response to Jonah after Jonah wanted to see Nineveh destroyed, even after they had repented. I hope you've been blessed by hearing this opening. Let's determine to go from this place with renewed vigor in the area of Christian witnessing. And I know we are doing that. I'm not saying we're not. I really appreciate what our small church already does. But I know this is an area I can personally definitely work on and improve on. I, um, I make excuses sometimes for myself many times and say, well, I can't do it for this reason or that reason. But, but God has given every Christian the power he needs to witness for him. I'm going to open it up for just about three minutes. We don't have much time. Uh, if you have any thoughts on what was shared or any testimony about witnessing uh, anything really to do with, with witnessing to the lost.